Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Meister. This is your host, Ben, speaking. Now, before we welcome our guest today, just a quick trivia question. What do these three things have in common? A free Jansport backpack, that feeling of helping out a really great cause, and a personalized thank you message from me. The answer is that they're all awesome, and it's what you're going to win if you donate to the Challenge Athletes Foundation and support my New York City Marathon campaign. All of the details are on our website. Please check it out. Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice five days a week with your hosts, Russell Wilcox and Ben Shank. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mountain Meister. This is Ben speaking. Hey, guys. It's Russell. Today on the show, we welcome Brandon Leonard. Brennan is the creator of Semirad.com and a contributing editor at Climbing Magazine, The Adventure Journal, and other outdoor publications. In August of 2011, after a breakup and economic downturn, Brennan hit the road in search for answers. He lived out of a van and worked out of coffee shops all around the country for three years, and he now lives in Denver, Colorado. His book, The New American Road Trip Mixtape, is about this journey. Brennan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Yeah, happy happy to be here. So, Brendan, I'm really glad you're on the show today. I wish we didn't actually talk bef- right before the interview, and you, you spoiled all these things I wanted to say, but <laughs> you're living in Denver now. You were on the road, like Ben said, living out of a van for three years. So yeah. what's it like coming back to the, quote, real world and having your own apartment, which you call a storage space now? How is that going for you? Uh, it's, it's, it's going well, and it's not as much of a commitment like as it probably sounds like like i don't have a lawnmower you know um (laughs) we really just got the smallest apartment possible that we could that would actually you know enable us to keep traveling and i think i right when we moved in i counted and i'm like oh we're gonna be here only 10 weeks out of the next 25 i mean so it's it really is kind of a way station but um going into a storage unit to pack for trips was a real pain in the ass and like really kind of not that fun. Like mm-hmm. I was, um, I sold a bunch of, I sold uh, a big order of my books to urban outfitters. They contacted me and said, you know, Hey, we want to sell your book. And I was like, wow, I don't, out of nowhere. That's cool. I don't, I don't know if you guys know what I dress like, but <laughs> you did, you wouldn't sell my book. But uh, <laughs> so I had to like, without, without a place to live or anything, I had to order like 400 books and, you know, I have them shipped to, we had a mailbox at the UPS store. We still do pick them up there, take them out to my storage unit. And then I just stood in the storage unit and like boxed all these things up and labeled them for Urban Outfitters. And I was like, this is going to be so much more awesome when I have an apartment to do these types of things in. Like, like there's no bathroom with the storage unit. You know, you like, you like have a pee bottle like you do <laughs> your mountaineering, you know, and like, it's like about the weirdest thing possible. Well, you know, just, well, we'll back up a little bit. I really want the listeners to get to know you because you have lived a very interesting life so far. And I'm not exactly sure I haven't read your book, but I'm assuming there's a lot of stories in there from your own 
personal experience and uh, I watched the promo video at least. So it was interesting. The first line that you had in the promo video was I left my home because it wasn't a home anymore. So I guess, what does that mean? And just tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I guess uh, I I just started uh, writing full time in 2011. uh, And my then girlfriend uh, came home from a trip and was like, uh, you know, said she wasn't sure about us. And we, you know, through the conversations, we decided it'd be better for us to break up. And it just happened to be at the end of a lease for my apartment, which was at the beginning of me. I had a five week break in work. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just move my stuff out and hit the road for a little bit and just kind of slung together. I was supposed to meet her for a trip together in South America and uh, that, of course, fell through, so I canceled the plane ticket and just put all my stuff in my car. And I had, I had really, you know, I had worked at, for newspapers and a nonprofit, um, big city mountaineers. So I didn't have a ton of money ever, but I did do a ton of, a lot of road trips uh, around the West. And, you know, like nine days, seven days, three days, whatever, five days, whatever you could do. Um, so it's pretty comfortable living out of my car. And I took off, and I was just, you know, I was... 32, was I 32? I'm old. Uh, but, you know, I, I just had all these questions because everybody around you when you're 32, you know, you, you go through this period in your, I think, mid to late 20s and early 30s where all of your friends are getting married. And then you go through this other period where they're all starting to have kids. And, you know, like, they, you know, you're, you're like, what am I doing? And I, at that point, I was like, oh, man, I'm just like, I, now I'm homeless. I don't have a girlfriend. I have no, like, I don't have a 401k. I have barely any money. Um, I have this car that I bought for $4,000 like six years ago. And it's like, now, and now I'm living in my car, you know. And it was just this time where I thought, God, you know, like, I am really failing at every uh, aspect of the American dream that like every, every iteration of the American dream that I could think of, I was not like, this is, I'm not doing real well, you know, like, especially like I come from the Midwest, which is, uh, a pretty practical, um, place to grow up, you know, and like everybody just, you know, you don't, you don't live in your car when you live in Iowa. Like that's really sad. You know, if you're in Indian Creek and you live in your car, it's awesome. You know, like, yeah, it's so great. It's so free. But, um, according to like, you know, I'm just like imagining like, you know, catching up with people at my class reunion, like, hey, what are you up to? Well, this summer, um, kind of a funny story, but here's what's going on. Um, so it was a time to just kind of question. I was really wondering what everybody is up to and, um, like, what, what, what are we, what do we really want, you know, in America? And um, had to, like, kind of took off on the road like you do and have a lot of driving time to yourself and thinking time. And there were all these... Uh, you know, I've always been a really big fan of road trip literature, you know, like on the road travels with Charlie, all these different pieces that are this American mythology about the road trip. And, you know, I'm not sure why that came about, maybe because of our, you know, westward expansion or um, adventurous spirit or, you know, interstate highway system, who knows, but um, it's cool to, for me to delve into that. And then also, you know, what is the American dream is evolving, I think, you know, and, and, um, throughout my travels and the book is just the first three months of that trip, um, which turned into six months and then turned into, you know, all <laughs> three years. And cause it was fun, you know, I was like, I'm going to keep doing this if I can, you know? Well, so um, you were, you kind of moved backwards because 
were you would you say that you were depressed about your situation that everybody else was kind of achieving what people call the American dream and you moved backwards uh, after breaking up with your girlfriend and then you said you know what I'm not going to just settle into like a corporate job get an apartment I'm going to go on the road trip and live out of my van were you depressed about that or was this something that excited you um God, I don't know. I don't think I had a feeling either way. I, I was definitely sad about the relationship ending, you know. Um, moving out of the apartment, it was like the second set of uh, Fiesta wear dishes that I had lost in a relationship in the last four years, you know. I was like, oh, okay. So some stuff is gone again. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like, yeah, I was, a little, I was definitely a little sad. I was definitely quite sad. Um, but depressed is probably a little strong. It's just kind of like... Maybe that's what you really wanted, you know? It's like, God, that would be so great to just take off and drive around and, like, find find yourself, quote-unquote, you know? Like, I think everybody dreams about that, you know? So, yeah, it was definitely sad at first, but it was a really beautiful, lonely time, really. Like, I just have these memories of driving up and down the Pacific Coast, like, writing on scraps of paper and um, these little notes about life and what I think about it, and which eventually became... Um, what's in the book mm-hmm. and um, you know I just think like if I'm going through this right now maybe maybe somebody else will someday and maybe they'll find this book and that'll help them a little bit in some way where at the very least you're just like well I'm not the only one feeling this way um, this guy did too and he wrote it in a in a book you know yeah I just turned 25 and so I've heard other people say they kind of have like a little bit of a mid-20s crisis at 25 and so yeah you know, I wanted more adventure. And so I told Ben, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go on this three week road trip. And I just basically like left. And it was just, (laughs) you never know what you're going to expect when you go on like a real road trip. Obviously yours was probably a little bit more intense. I was with my fiance and like, I'm not going to lie. We went to a few wineries and stuff like that, but (laughs) we weren't like climbing every day or kidding. Um, but it's amazing. You go and you just, as long as you have an open mind, like so many things happen and just like you don't expect. I think um, that's the the key to having an adventure in general or even at some time at some points having a good time is that you need to be open to opportunities and you kind of need to have low expectations, I think, and then normally people are happier when their expectations get beaten. I'm not sure if you agree with me on that, Brendan. I totally agree with that. I think like our, and maybe it's because of our, you know, the way we, we view vacations in the U.S. We get two weeks off or whatever, so we try to schedule, like, okay, we're gone for seven days. We're going to do this, this, and this. Here's our list of all the fun things we're going to do. And then and then we get kind of worked up when things don't go, well, you know, go as planned. Like, oh, we were supposed to do this, but then it rains. So what do we do? And <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I learned a few years ago from a, a friend who's now uh, deceased, but we, we took a a road trip in his RV around the Southwest. And it was just like, I had a couple of things I wanted to do. And he was so low key about everything. He's just like, you know, you gotta be open to it. I don't think we should plan too much. And like, sure enough, his RV broke down and we did, you know, you just like, if you don't have a schedule, you can just say, well, okay, this is what's supposed to happen. Or, you know, maybe there's, yeah, maybe we can say yes to this person who is inviting us over for dinner because we don't have plans. We don't have to hit this all these, uh, this checklist that we have. And, um, I've kind of expanded that approach into, um, life a little bit more since, since I took off, um, and just try to say yes to 
opportunities that, you know, sound, oh, that, that could be okay. Or even if it doesn't sound okay, it seems like it could turn out to be something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's funny, too, because we're living in such a unique time now where you could just go, if you have a smartphone, like you really don't need to do any planning. But then back when you were doing, like it must have been such a different experience three or four years ago. I don't know if you had any means or if you really just had like a phone to call your friends or to see who's around to like grab dinner. I could like look up on Yelp, like what's the best campground in right, a yeah. 30 months. Oh, I totally had a smartphone. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there was no Instagram though, which was a total hardship. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. No, it was cool, but it was like, uh, it's still great to get out. I mean, I had paper maps and like, uh, gazetteers and stuff with me and, um, I really didn't plan very well, but, um, <laughs> there was at one point, yeah, I think I was in Las Vegas in a coffee shop and I just got like a rejection, uh, email from a book publishing company and my friend texted me and said, Hey, we're going to the Salton Sea tomorrow. You want to meet us down there? And I said, of course I do. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like not having fun. So I'll meet you down there. We'll go see this, you know, wasteland, um, thing that's six hours away. But yeah, it was, it's, it is easier with a smartphone, I think, but, um, I don't know. It, it's still, mm-hmm. I met this kid just last week who was, uh, we were walking out of um, climbing in Lumpy Ridge, uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, my buddy and I were, because we got uh, rained, rained off of what we were doing basically. But we walked around this corner and this kid was sitting underneath this boulder and he's like, hey, how, how long do you think it's going to rain? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It could, could let up right now. And we stopped to chat with him. He said, yeah, well, I just uh, I rode my motorcycle here from New York. I'm on my way to Portland, and I don't have to be there until July 1st. And I, was, I said, oh, that's awesome. And, of course, I said, where are you going to go? And he said, oh, this place and this place. And I said, I'm going to go to Moab, but it's going to be really hot. And, you know, we just we sat there and exchanged information for, like, you know, 15 minutes. And I said, oh, well, you know, if, if you go to this place, I know this restaurant is pretty good for breakfast or there's some bouldering here or whatever. And he says, this is what I've been doing my whole trip. I just stop people and ask them where I should go. And I said, that's perfect, man. That's way better than anything else. You know, I mean, like you said, you can read Yelp reviews on everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the, that's the best restaurant, you know, in, in town or that's the best trail or the best campground. Um, I did like the serious lame version of that because I brought my dogs on the trip. And so what we would do is we would just go to dog parks in every town. Yeah, there you go. And like people, people that own dogs are so nice. Like it's <laughs> unbelievable. And I mean, sometimes they're a little Don't loopy. Like they only have one, <laughs> one dog. Yeah. Well, me, of course, but we have these twin, these two twin puppies that we got. So everyone wants to talk to us and they just tell oh. us like all the great places to go. And it's, it's not really like the dirt bag way to just go to a dog park. You have to have a dog, so I wouldn't recommend <laughs> just go to a dog park without a dog. That sounds like kind of fun, though. As long as there's enough dogs, you probably get away with right. it. But slightly creepy. That's a great strategy, though, man. Like that's perfect. Yeah. So, Brandon, you set out on this road trip in search of answers to a lot of these big questions, like what do I need in life? Uh, what what is a life? And do you think so? This was obviously really bugging you at that time. Do you think that other people have a much easier time finding out answers to those questions, or at least answers that satisfy them? Or do you think that a lot of people are just kind of ignorant and don't care about these questions? 
Oh, I mean, ignorance. Ignorance is a pretty strong word. Maybe complacent. I don't know. Okay. Like, yeah. I think everybody gets complacent, and I don't. I really think in the in the. For, I guess my examination of it is it's not important that everybody comes to the same answer or that there's a right answer or even if you have any answers, but that you think about it a little bit. You know, like is this really what I want? You know, because I. I mean, I felt basically in my upbringing or where I grew up, it was kind of kind of laid out for you. And I think a lot of people feel this way. And if you just make these four steps, you know, and you graduate from college and you get a job and you get married and you get a house and, you know, you, you make all these choices for towards security, you'll, you'll be happy. And I think a lot of people sometimes, and that's, I mean, a lot of people love that and that's great, you know, and like, but I've had a much better time being uncomfortable and, and sad and then, um, you know, finding it out for myself. But yeah, I don't know. I think we're we're distracted from what we really want, really. Um, there's so much media, and people say this all the time. It's not a new thing for me to say, but we're exposed to so much stuff that we can get very, very distracted from any sort of self-examination. You know, like, maybe I'll just watch TV and, you know, like, go to bars and drink and watch sports and, you know, do this and buy things that are advertised that I need to buy to be happy and um I don't think that helps you arrive at a good place of happiness at all, um, in, in my opinion. Um, I could be wrong for a lot of people. So, yeah, that's, I guess that's uh, like part two of the question is, is that important to some people and some people are just different? Or do you know what I'm getting at here? Is, is it like maybe some people actually do enjoy being more materialistic? I'm not sure if that's true at all. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, they're comfortable, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I have friends who are, I have a couple friends who had vastly different um, childhoods than me. And, mm. you know, like, look, you know, when I was growing up, my mom uh, was a single parent, you know, very young with me. And we basically lived on people's couches until I was 17. So I don't want to live in a van. And, like, you got to respect that. You know, it's like, I've already done that. And, <laughs> yeah, I want an apartment. That's great. You're, you're really right. And, you know, it's, you got to be pretty privileged to think that being homeless is a fun thing. You know what I mean? And I'm aware of that. Totally. You can't, you can't be like, Oh yeah, everybody needs to do this. Like people are legitimately homeless and it's not cool. You know, they're not, it's not a fun thing for them. So yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess like the point of the book for me is to, to put some questions out there to help people think. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is not right for everybody. And what, what I, what they're doing may not be right for me, but you know, it's cool to step back and say, huh, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I need to do things a little differently or maybe I need to change one thing or at least think about it. You know, what was one time over the last three years on your road trip that you, you really had that moment where you felt like I'm, I'm going somewhere. Like I'm figuring things out. Did you have any moments like that? And maybe, maybe not a specific one, but there's a point where I, I really, went and saw so many different friends and living so many different lifestyles or different, different ways of raising kids and different family models where like the answer is just, there is no, you know, we want things to be neat and, and tidy and we want two parents in a, in a house that we own and, you know, and raise the kids and like, you know, things to be very straightforward. But it's, it's not like that for everybody. You know, there's kids like friends of mine who became, you know, fathers to, kids who weren't quote unquote theirs because they, um, you know, fell in love with somebody who's, uh, 
you know, the father of their children was deceased or not around or, or whatever. And it doesn't really matter, you know. I mean, happiness, everybody finds their own American dream, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, I mean, that was the answer for me. And it, and it was basically, in the end, for me, I'm, I'm okay, you know, mm-hmm. doing whatever I want to do or doing whatever is, is okay. I don't have to, I don't have to settle down and, like, go to work nine to five and, and, you know, try to pressure myself into getting a big house and trying to provide for a family. I can, you know, people can be single their entire lives. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. you can live out of a van for some people have been dirt bags for Fred Becky's been a dirt bag for 87 years or something <laughs> like, like, you know, it's like now that I've seen it, I really am not that interested in experiencing that, but like, you know, you gotta, you gotta find your own answers, I guess. No, it's so true. And one of the things actually that happened to me on my road trip too, which I didn't really expect, is we were going to see one of my uh, fiance's really good friends from high school. And her friend was the valedictorian of a high school. She's just like brilliant. She went to Northwestern University for um, theater and, and dance and stuff like that. And so now she's really big in the improv scene. So these are like the top notch and they're going into improv and for them unless if you're in the top 10 or 20 in the world like you're really not making any money so all of them and all of her friends who are just brilliant they have three jobs like their nannies or they're working at a restaurant and they go to these amazing universities they're so happy though they're doing what they love they're doing really creative like interesting things that like a lot of people really appreciate and it was just it blew my mind to think and for me obviously like I quit my job I'm kind of living a weird lifestyle now too but even just to see it in a different way kind of validates it more there's a scene in uh, Serpico the old Al Pacino movie where he goes to this party and um, his girlfriend introduces him to all these I think they're living in Greenwich Village and you know she's like this is Tony he's a He's a an artist, but he's a he's a, no he's a waiter, but he's an artist. And every Servico makes some comment that all your friends are trying to be somebody else. But I think it's really telling. Like everybody has to have a job, and people mostly it's great if you can have like this this other thing that you're into. You know, like yeah, I sell insurance or whatever, but I mountain bike or I paint or you know or I I do these other things. And like it's that's life, really. You know what you can do with that spare time. So I guess the equivalent of that for you, Brennan, is that a lot of the stuff revolves around rock climbing, your blog, um, a lot about climbing and uh, mountaineering. So if you could choose to be a full-time professional rock climber, would you? Oh, I would suck. No way. I mean, <laughs> no way. I'm, I'm like way too out of shape. And well, I let's say, I, I guess the more of the question is like, let's say you were in shape and you had the opportunity. Do you think that you would want that lifestyle or do you enjoy having the climbing as a supplement to the, uh, writing? Oh yeah. I mean, I see it like, as you need, if you want to be, a, I've always wanted to be a writer, you know, mm-hmm. since I was like seventh grade and, and nobody tells you this when you're young, but you, you need to have something to write about and, um, you can't just sit around and, you know, pontificate about, well, maybe you can, but I need, you need stories to tell. And that's kind of what, um, has ended up being a lot of my stories is the outdoors, um, and climbing. Um, I could not be a professional climber. I just don't have the, I don't have the drive and I don't have, I don't know. I don't know if you can say that you could get to the lower echelon. I think if you worked hard enough at it, but man, that's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I go out for a few days a week, hopefully, and that's enough. You know, it's really awesome for me and I love it. 
Um, but yeah, the people who are, who are dedicated and actually work hard enough to get to those higher levels are pretty amazing. And I don't ever, I don't ever see myself like, as even like in that same universe, you know, they're playing professional baseball and I'm like softball, you know, Wednesday night softball with a keg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, that's kind of the way I see it, I guess. Mm -hmm. We have some professional rock climbers on the show and they always talk about how they're like losing sleep over these, uh, different routes that they're trying out. And it's just like, they get so obsessed and it's probably the way that you feel about your writing too. I'm sure that, Sometimes you're so into a piece that you're working on that you're just, you know, it's yeah. Does that happen to, to sleep? you? I, th- I think that happens to a lot of people. Like, yeah. I mean, think about artists like people who trim bonsai trees or like you know, <laughs> sculpt you know anything. And bouldering's just like that. I think, or you know, probably martial arts, the same deal. You know, movements that you have to do. And I think I think bouldering is just those people's way of expressing it. And mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard as hell to explain it to your grandma, but it, it is that exact same type of thing. You know, where you're like. Yeah, I want to make these four moves and get to the top of this problem. And, you know, it's very ephemeral. And as soon as I do that, I'm going to find something else. But that's their job, you know, in a lot of ways. And they got to they gotta perform. And I don't know if I'd be interested in that. <laughs> I can see them losing sleep over a boulder problem. It doesn't, it's hard to make sense of it. But people, there's obsession of, like, all types of things. Did you guys see uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi? The- yes. I saw that. That was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> I mean... For real, like he's making art, and then before eating it, it's gone, you know. And like, but I feel like that's, but it's really inspiring. It is, somehow, you know. So inspiring. Like, well, you know, you're not a professional rock climber, but you know, we really do like gear recommendations on this show, and we know you have your own gear uh, section in your website. So I'm thinking you know a little bit. So, <laughs> what piece, one piece of gear, would you recommend for our listeners? So my blog is sponsored by Outdoor Research, but before they sponsored me, I fell in love with this jacket they made, and it's called the Ferrosi hoodie, um, F-E-R-R-O-S-I, and I've worn several iterations of it over the last five years, and it's literally the perfect layer for for me for like multi-pitch rock climbing, trail running, um, little cooler weather mountain biking. Sometimes I just wear it as like a second layer under anything for mountaineering, but it's just a really thin soft shell that packs into, Oh, it's the size of a small bag of Cheetos basically. And clip it to a harness or whatever. And it's, it ends up being the perfect like wind layer or, um, I don't know. I find it to be incredible for like, just like Rocky mountain weather, you know, like if you're, at the second belay on a multi-pitch climb and there's a little breeze in the summertime or the fall, it's like perfect to put it on, put the hood up and, and you're in your, your little happy place. Um, other than that, I'd say the iPhone. I mean, for real. <laughs> so, so sad, but to be completely honest, you are not the first person to recommend the iPhone on this show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about it and there's these programs like, uh, I think it's called Topo Fusion. What do I have? My Topo or something like that on this thing. And it's like, you can look at a route anywhere you want to do. Offline Topo is what it's called. And it it saves like the last um, 600 squares that you looked at. So you can look at a route on a map and you have a map in your pocket, you know, as long as your phone turns on, of course. Yeah, and those used to cost like hundreds of dollars too. And now it's probably free on the app. (laughs) Free app. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, we did a long backpacking trip last year, and um, 
11, 11 days of traversing a ridge. Once I figured out that the charger thing that we had brought was not really going to work as well as I thought. It was a hand crank thing. Um, I was like, yeah, this thing is great. I charged it up before I left. That means we get another iPhone charge. And then I guess you just crank it and it powers your phone. And So we were using it to kind of keep our girlfriends updated where we were. And my girlfriend was going to pick us up at the end. So it was really important to let her know that we had like, we think we have four days left. We're going to finish on Tuesday. And uh, I started cranking this thing and it was like, you had to crank it for five minutes to get 1% phone battery. <laughs> oh my God, we're done using this. Oh, but for most people's adventures where you're like going like five days or whatever, if you just shut it off and put it on airplane mode, I mean, mm-hmm. you got a camera, you got a stereo. I mean, you can like push play on the music on your phone and like just set it in a pot, a cooking pot. <laughs> and it's like a speaker, you know, and like, and that kind of stuff is amazing, you know, and I use it to take notes as I'm like doing things like for, for stories that I'm writing. I just use the notepad feature and type that stuff in like, so a lot of it's not even about being connected to other people. It's not about like checking Twitter when I'm out like climbing or whatever. It's just like the, the tools that are in that, that are, that are amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Jacket's pretty sweet too. But, <laughs> yeah. The phone can't provide a jacket, though, unfortunately. Not yet, at least. <laughs> well, it's really not that warm. Yeah. <laughs> you have to use it a lot to get some heat out of it. Yeah. But anyway, we will throw both of those resources on your Meister profile page on our website, um, as well as the other things that we've been talking about today. We'll even throw Gyro Dreams of Sushi for those of you <laughs> who haven't watched that. It is um, pretty pretty funny and interesting. Our our final topic today, we want to ask you about, you know, searching for these answers to these difficult questions. You've definitely found some answers throughout this three-year endeavor. So what's next? What questions do you have now? And how are you going to go about answering them? Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't know. I, I think of it as in terms of what kind of stories do I want to try to tell, I guess. And like, they've done pretty okay for the last few years doing just kind of enthusiast stuff you know where you're like i write stories for backpacker about different ridge traverses you know or or different peaks you can climb and i'd kind of like for myself to get a little more a little deeper into um culture and stuff like that when you're when you're telling a story tell tell some more three-dimensional stories as opposed to here are great things to do, you know, like get to know people or find, find the stories that have more, uh, more angles to them than just, this is a great hike because it's beautiful, you know, um, or whatever. This is a great climb because it's splitter hand crack for, you know, 300 feet or whatever, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And just kind of, I would just like wonder how I can develop as a storyteller really. Um, whether that's film or, um, podcasting or, or whatever yes yes yeah. good well, I'm not start my own podcast no yeah. i feel like yeah. you could host a good podcast oh man that's that's so much work you guys <laughs> it was really great having you on the show and you know for our listeners there's going to be a whole list of resources all the different things we talked about uh check that on out on our website mtnmeister.com and thanks again brendan for coming on the show yeah thanks guys it's been awesome Hey there, podcast fans. Thanks for listening to that episode with Brendan Leonard. 
Just a reminder that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, on the podcast app, or on Stitcher Radio, or on SoundCloud, or all of the other platforms. We're everywhere. Don't forget to feel really good about yourself by donating to the Challenged Athletes Foundation through my New York City Marathon campaign. Check it out on our website, mtnmeister.com. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to Mountain Meister. I'm Ben Schenk.